Welcome to the Prophecy Club, where we study and research Bible prophecy. Our topic tonight is called Wake Up America, and we're even going to call it version two to differentiate it from the previous videotape we've made of Demetri Dudeman. Uh, I believe that Isaiah 13 and Revelation 18 and Jeremiah 50 and 51 are all speaking of America. And one day I ran across Demetri Dudeman and did nothing but just confirm what I felt like the scripture said. <clears throat> and in introducing him tonight, I normally make the introduction very brief, but in this case I've had some personal experiences that I feel like all people need to know so that they can believe a little bit more deeply in the fact that he is telling the truth. The message is, in fact, from God. So I'll give you four reasons why I believe. Reason number one happened in March of 1988. I drove over here to Kansas City, and I picked up Dimitri and his uh, grandson interpreter, Michael Boldea. We were driving from Kansas City to Topeka, and about 10 or 15 minutes down the freeway, uh, Dimitri kind of laid his head back, and I thought he was probably just taking a nap. And directly he turns to me, and he says, uh, through his interpreter, he says, this woman in your life. And I said, yes, my wife. He said, you tell her. First, she must pray for strength for herself before she prays for other people. She's praying for other people, and their problems are coming back on her. She must pray for strength for herself before she prays for other people. Well, what would you think? Some stranger get in the car and says this to you. So I thought, okay, fine. Well, about an hour later, we arrived at Dilly's. It was Dilly's then at 5th and Topeka. They went in, sat down, and they began ordering. And I stepped out in the foyer and uh, called my wife long distance. And at that particular time, we were moving into our new home in Omaha, Nebraska. And I called and I said, honey... I said, uh, I don't know if this is going to mean anything to you or not, but let me tell you what this guy just told me. He said that before you pray for other people, he says you're supposed to pray for yourself. He says that you're praying for other people and their problems are coming back on you. Does that mean anything to you? And she just started crying. She said, oh, yeah, she said, I've just been opening these boxes and just putting everything up. And just whoever comes to mind, I've just been praying for them. I'm so down and so depressed. And, and I thought, wow. You know, he hit it. How in the world could a man driving down the interstate in Kansas know the secret silent prayers of a woman in Omaha, Nebraska? A man can't. But through the Spirit of God, he can. So this told me I had someone very special in the car. The next incident happened as we were driving around. He told me many things. But one of the things he told me, he said that the angel told him that before the problems come to America, that Romania would have a revolution. Well, that didn't mean a lot to me. You know, I was interested in finding out what was going to happen to America. So I kind of tucked that on the back burner and forgot about it. But one year and nine months later, I'll never forget it. December 22nd, 1989, 8.30 in the morning. I was still in bed. My back was hurting. And here comes on the news, CNN. Ceausescu's been shot. Romania's having a revolution. And I sat up in bed, and I started to let this thought come out. Oh, no, it's true. But I knew it was true. And I thought, but it's so close. And about that time, the phone right beside me rang. And I reached over and picked it up. Hello. 
is my mom calling long distance from Texas. And she says, are you watching the news? And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. She says, about the Romanian Revolution. And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. Why? And she said, didn't you tell me that was going to happen? And I said, yes, I did. She says, okay, tell me again. What else did you say? And I said, well, it wasn't me that was saying it. was Demetri Dudeman, but here's what the message is. That afternoon, I walked into the office, <clears throat> and uh, the secretary said, have you been reading the newspapers? I said, no, I normally watch CNN for my news. Why? She said, well, have you heard Romania is having a revolution? And I said, yes, why? And she said, well, didn't you tell me that was going to happen? And I said, yes, I did. She says, okay, tell me again. What else did you say? And, of course, I said, well, it wasn't me that said it. come from Dimitri Dudeman, but here's what he said. And now she listens. There's two more people in the world listen as a result of that. And, of course, what's the message for us? If he can foretell a Romanian revolution... Obviously, the angel can foretell many other things, too. The next thing that happened was later on that year, I had the opportunity to go out to his home in Fullerton, California. And we were out front in the front lawn mingling and talking. And uh, I was impressed to just ask him about a detail in his story. As you recall in his story, he says that the very first night he got to America, the uh, apartment stunk. He was outside sitting on a rock, he said, and a light started coming toward him, and he said he thought it was a Romanian police trying to run over him. He was used to that, and so he jumped to run. And he said all of a sudden, the light surrounded him, and out of the light, it was the same voice. It was the same angel. Well, as we were sitting there, I thought, well, I wonder where he was sitting that night. So I turned to him, and I said, Dimitri, where were you sitting the night that you thought the light was coming at you with the first night the angel came to talk to you? And he walked over, he took about eight steps over and sat down on what we would call a brick planter. And as he sat there, I remember his head, he was kind of looking around and kind of getting his bearing to make certain he was sitting in exactly the right place. And I sat down beside him. And I said, now, exactly where did the light come from? And he pointed from right there, that particular angle. And I said, oh, well, that's real interesting. And I changed the subject and we went on talking. Well, in a little while, he got up, and being the inquiring mind that I am, checking out his story, I walked over and sat in the very spot he sat, and I asked myself one question. From where I was sitting and from where the light came, would I mistake that as a car? See, those little details, if someone was just making up a story, wouldn't be there. Well, I sat there, and I looked at where he pointed the light to come from, and absolutely, he was telling the truth. Now, why do I say that? <clears throat> because the light was coming right down a road. You see, there's a road that just dead ends right into his house, and the person has to either turn right or turn left. If they keep going straight, they would literally drive right into his front living room and run right over where he was sitting on that brick planter. So exactly as he had said, the story matched. You could look up, you could see a light coming from that direction and easily mistake that for a car or something. The fourth example happened uh, about a year later. We invited him to speak up in Omaha, and uh, I was going to take him around to several churches and things like that also. 
And it was a Monday night, and I think it was January or February of the year because it got dark pretty early. And I just dropped him off at Living Faith Church, Brother Wes Doffenbaugh is the pastor there. It was a Monday night. And I think I dropped him off like about probably 6.30 or something. And then we were heading home at the time, and I can remember the very spot in the highway where this conversation took place. We were heading south on Interstate 680. We just passed the Pacific Street exit, for those of you that are familiar with uh, Omaha. We just passed Pacific Street, and Leslie, my wife, turned and she says, Now, I don't want you to think that I don't believe that Dimitri is from God, because I do. She says, But if he was really a man from God, he would have a message for me. You know, he has these messages for you and all these other people, and here's what God says to you, and here's what God says to you. If he was really a man from God, he would know that I wanted a message from God, and he would give me a message from God. And I said, well, I said, honey, I said, uh, you know, ask him. He'll tell you. And, of course, you have to understand, Dimitri, when he prays, he either gets an audible voice in the ear or an angel comes and taps him on the hand and wakes him up in the middle of the night and gives him the answer. And I suppose that if you and I had been through some of the things we'd been or he'd been through, perhaps God would deal with us that way also. Anyway, and I said, no, uh, I said, you know, you, you ask him, he'll tell you. And she says, no, if he was really a man from God, he would know that I want a prophecy and he would give me a message. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, honey, I, I think that's stretching a little bit. Just ask him. She says, no. If he's really a man from God, he will know that I want a message, and he'll, he'll give me a message from God. That was Monday night, 6.30. Now, Friday night, each Friday night, we had a Bible study over at our house, and typically 10, 12, at the most 15 people would show up for the Bible study. Well, this particular night, they heard Demetri Dudeman was coming, and we had about 50 people show up. And, of course, that was a lot of uh, folks at that time. This was long before the Prophecy Club started. And there were so many people, we thought it better to move two houses down to another brother's house. And I remember <clears throat> Dimitri taught that night on Galatians 5. When he was done, I was in the kitchen helping uh, get drinks and tea and things like that for some of the guests. And he walked up to my wife, Leslie, and he pointed his finger at her and said, You said, if I'm a man from God, I would have a message from God for you. Well, what would you do? And he began to tell her all the secrets of her heart. I do hear your prayers. I do talk to you. And on and on, things that meant something to her. Well, of course, she come running in the kitchen where I was. And she said, did you talk to Dimitri uh, about me wanting a message from God? I said, no. I said, he's been gone all week long, across town, visiting friends and all. Uh, no, I haven't talked to him. Why? She said, now, you're sure you didn't tell him that I wanted a message from God? And I said, no, I haven't spoken to him. Why? She said, well, let me tell you what he just did. Now, here's four good examples as to why we need to hear this message. And, folks, I'll tell you right now, a lot of people don't like hearing hard messages. They only want to hear the smooth things, the things that tickle their ears. They can't stand to, uh, to hear that the wages of sin is still death. Well, I want to tell you that God's still on the throne and all of his laws are still quite well in place. So with that as an introduction, help me welcome Dimitri Dudeman and his interpreter, Michael Boldea.
Binecuvântat să fie numele Lui Dumnezeu, Tatăl nostru, Domnul nostru Iisus Hristos și Duhul Sfânt. Amin. Blessed be the name of God the Father, Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Not good enough. Amen. Better brothers. It doesn't matter if they're filming this. I still feel like I'm in church. So I want to see you full of life. I want to see you full of joy that you have Christ in your heart. The only time a man should be sad is when he doesn't have Jesus. Because the word of God says this. As God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Who went from place to place and healed all those that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Brothers, first I would like to speak about the work of the Holy Spirit, after which I will tell you my testimony. But what America needs today is for the work of the Holy Spirit to be clean. Amen? We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be imitating people. We want the true and clean work of God in our lives. In order to have the true work of God, brother, you must live the life. Amen? Jesus Christ before going up to heaven in Acts chapter 1 speaks to his apostles and he says to them very clearly you do not leave the temple until you receive a power from above. But before this, Christ had given them power. He had breathed over them and said, take spirit of my spirit. But it was not enough. They had to be beside the temple and constantly in God's presence. Pray to God so that God would anoint them with the Holy Spirit. A lot of American brothers say, I received this Holy Spirit when I received the Word. Brother, don't deceive yourself. This is the Baptist teaching. But brothers, it's not true. Because he told the apostles, do not leave the temple until you receive a power from above. After receiving this power, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Judea and all across the world. Hallelujah! And we see in Acts chapter 2, a wonderful work of God. The apostles all gathered in Mark's house, near Jerusalem. A number of about 120 people. They were constantly learning from the apostles, breaking bread, but most of all praying. Now they prayed for 10 days, brothers. And the 10th day, 
God made them one heart and one thought. And while they prayed, the place where they were actually shook. And tongues as a fire were poured down upon them. And all began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit instructed them to. But brothers, what tongue were they speaking in? Many people were gathered in Jerusalem. It was the great day of the feast. And they all ran to Mark's house because they'd heard the wind. And they'd seen the tongues of fire. And let's go see what's happening there. When they got there, brothers, they heard them all speaking miraculous things of God. They weren't speaking other things. And even though they heard them speaking miraculous things of God, what does this mean? And these people are crazy. They're just drunk. But Peter, who had previously denied Christ at Pontius Pilate's place, because he did not have the power of God, this time Peter had the power, and he stands up before all the people gathered there. And he says, Israelite men, and you who live in Jerusalem, listen to my words. These men are not drunk, as you say. For this is only the third hour of the day. But this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. In the days of the end, says the Lord, I will pour from my spirit over every being. Your daughters and your sons will be on drugs? Is that what it says? Brothers, they will prophesy. Your elders will dream dreams. And even over those servants, I will pour from my spirit and they will prophesy. Amen. Brothers, what's happening in America? We see that God used to work mightily. And God's work is for everyone because these are the end times. It wasn't only for the apostles. This is a deceivement. It is for you. It is for me. God gives gifts to men. But He doesn't give it that you make a business out of it. The gift is not yours. The gift belongs to the church. And if God gave it to you, you must also give it freely to the church. But first and foremost, you must live the life so that the devil will have no place in your heart. Not like how I see in America. Oh, brother, I received the Holy Spirit. How did you receive it? I walked up and there's pastors who don't even know what the Spirit of God means. They walk up and they lay hands on your head. And then he said to repeat after him, hey, 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 hey. And that's all you're left with. Brother, you must speak in tongues like you hear me speak. Apostle Paul says, every language in the world has understanding. If it has no meaning, no understanding, then I will 
be a stranger toward him. Brothers, where are the gifts of God in the American church? We want to see the gifts of God because of our lives, because we compromise with the world and the things of the world, because we like things like cigarettes or like alcohol and things that are wicked. And then we want to see angels. Brother, maybe angels of darkness, but not angels of God. Because angels of God come to righteous people. Be ye holy, for I am holy, said Jesus Christ. Be ye holy in all your doings. Not only in church, but everywhere you go. Let people see you like they see this light. That's how you should shine. I have put you as lights in the darkness. Because the world doesn't read the holy book. The world reads you and they read me. They want to see if what I say, I do. But if the world smokes, so do we. The world drinks, so do we. The world divorces, so do we. Does God like this, brothers? And oh, we wait for salvation. Oh, I am saved. Do you think the fact of raising your hand in a church makes you saved? No. Men came to John the Baptist to be baptized. And he says, sons of vipers. Who taught you to run away from the coming wrath? First do deeds worthy of repentance. And then come to me that I may baptize you. Brothers, may God bless you. Don't look at me like you're scared. Instead be full of joy because God loves you. A few questions and then I'll start telling you my testimony. Brothers, the people that are gathered here, is there still anyone among us that smokes? Prophet Isaiah simply says, do not spend your money on things that don't feed you and on things that are not good for your body. And brother, if you say you have the Holy Spirit, how can the Holy Spirit cohabitate with the nicotine? How can it cohabitate with drugs? How can it cohabitate with alcohol? Brothers, we have to be cautious when we speak. Let's not deceive ourselves. The Holy Spirit lives in a holy vessel. And it says, your hearts are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Brothers, we must have fruit. People must see Christ in us. And if God would let man smoke, we'd all have chimneys on our heads. So my question to you is if anyone wants to be free tonight even though they're filming this why should I speak only about myself and let you continue to do things that are wrong? Brothers, bring your cigarettes up here of your own free will not forced but out of love for God that you escape the devil divorce the devil be one with Christ tonight and let the Spirit of God enter you in the place of the nicotine. Amen. Yeah. Anyone coming up? Have courage. Would it be better if I went and grabbed you by the arm? <laughs> Would it? 
Brothers, don't think that you can hide. God even sees when you have them in your socks. No matter where you have them, guys, God sees. But if you don't want to be freed, then don't. I did my duty. I asked for you to bring them up. So that you may escape this demon, embarrass them in front of everyone. Because in a few days, oh, they said, I have cancer. And you come up, brother, pray for me, I have cancer. Brother, first be obedient. Obey the gospel, which is the power of God. Amen. Anyone have the courage? My invitation, just come up. If not, you're embarrassed, I know. I'm not going to be on TV with cigarettes. Brothers, how will you stand before God? If Christ comes tonight, are you ready to meet Him in the air? Are you ready? A lot of American brothers say that the church will be raptured before any sort of tribulation. Brothers, let's document it biblically once and for all. Do you have Bibles? Do you? Then open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation. Brothers, we cannot play with the gospel. And God will not be deceived by man. God is merciful, as the American brothers say, and He is forgiving. But the Bible also says that God's an all-consuming fire. And that it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We read out of Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse 9. And it says... After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God, forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Brothers, it says, I saw a great number of all nations, of all tribes, and of all tongues. There were Americans, Romanians, Russians, Chinese, everybody. Everybody. And they were all dressed in white robes. Standing before the throne of God. And one of the elders posed the question. Who are these in, in white robes? And where did they come from? And an answer was given. These come out of the great tribulation on earth. They've cleansed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God. There will be no more hunger there, no more thirst, no more cancer, only eternal joy. Amen.
Brother, if you want to be part of this joy, strip off of the old self. Throw away all your idols. Throw away all your witchcraft. Because God is not a witch. What God says is yes and amen. Amen. Brothers, may God bless you. Now I'll start telling you my testimony. I hope you're patient. Even if I speak a little longer tonight, maybe next time you won't want to see me. I was born in a Christian family. And my dad pastored a Pentecostal church. When I turned 17, I ran away from home. I went into Marine school. I stayed for four and a half years. And I became an officer. They gave me 80 new recruits and they shipped me out on the Black Sea. The communist government gave me an order to check the ships that came in from foreign countries. If I'd find Bibles, I was to confiscate the Bibles and arrest the missionaries. And then I would be advanced quickly. When I heard I was able to advance, I began checking the ships. One morning, a ship from Holland came in, and I walked in with eight of my men. Under some crates of cookies, I found very many Bibles. I called the captain of the ship, and I asked him, whose Bibles are these? He said he didn't know. But when I looked to one side, there was this man who was crying and praying to God. When I saw that he was crying, I said the Bibles are his for sure. So I went to him and I asked for his passport. He took his passport out of his pocket. He was a missionary from Holland who worked with Open Doors Mission. So I asked him, are these your Bibles, sir? He said, no. Whose are they then? They belong to your brothers and your sisters, he said. When he said this, I felt as though a knife went through my heart. And I began to hear a voice in my ear. What are you doing, Dimitri? Don't you know that I brought you here? Do nothing to this man. Tell some men to protect him from the police. Give him his passport back if he won't, I'll punish you harshly. When he said he'd punish me, I turned around to see who had the courage to speak to me this way. But there was no one there. When I saw there was no one there, I began to shake. Who's speaking to me? What does this mean? I was embarrassed. I shook before the missionary. So I went into another compartment. And I stuck my fingers in my ears that I wouldn't hear the voice anymore. But it got even louder. Go, give him his passport. Tell some men to protect him from the police. Brothers, as I gave him the passport, the voice stopped and I felt a new peace in my heart. I was on the Black Sea for two and a half years. Many missionaries came through and I would help everyone unload their Bibles. After two and a half years, the communist government gave an order. All Christian children, no matter what rank, must go home. I had to go home. I was very sad. I'd lost my job. And so I went with thoughts of taking revenge on my parents. When I got home, my mom asked me, what's wrong with you, son? Why are you so sad? Because your Christians kicked me out of the army. Where's dad? 
He's in church. Then I'll go embarrass him there, I said. She said, wait, you'll be home soon. But I said, no, I'm going there. When I got to the church, they were singing such a beautiful song. I'll never forget it. I'll tell you a verse of it also. Long ago, he came from above. The good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And he traveled throughout the world. He was looking for lost sheep. When he mentioned lost sheep, I began to cry but didn't want to cry. I thought, I'm the lost sheep. I ran away from home because my dad took me to church. And now Christ found me on the Black Sea. And now he's brought me back. I wet about three handkerchiefs, brothers. I kept looking around to see if anyone else was crying. Only my dad was because he was happy he saw me in church. So I walked to my dad and asked him, Dad, why am I crying? He said, I'll tell you at the end of the service. At the end, he asked me to stand. And he said, Dimitri, are you sorry they kicked you out of the army? I said, yes, I am. Then he said, look, brothers, the answer to our prayers. For two years we've been praying that he be kicked out. Then he said, God needs officers in his army also. Son, now you have to come to God. I said, okay, dad, but let me get married first. He said, you can marry a girl from our church. I can't from here, they're all poor. He said, go find a rich one, just come to God. I went and I found Maria. Maria was an orphan brother. But she promised me that she'd come to God. And I said, well, if you come to God, then I'll marry you. I married Maria. We began going to church. We committed ourselves to God. Then we had to pray for three months. We fasted and we prayed until we received the power of God. After receiving this power, I began traveling through the churches. I began to see the brothers had no Bibles. So I began to ask, why don't you have any Bibles? While I was on the Black Sea, many Bibles came in. They said, yes, brother Dimitri, but the Bibles came in through communist hands. The communists sold them to us. And the next day they sent the police to confiscate them. And we're still left without Bibles. When I heard this, I began to think of how I could meet the missionaries because missionaries would never leave their address. So I spoke to my family and again I went to the Black Sea. I went to the chief of the shipyard and I said, long live my chief. Hello Dimitri, what are you doing here? Well chief, I've gotten married and I have no job. Give me a job here. Look, I have no jobs for Christians. Then what do I do, sir? I came here to Marine School. No, I don't care. Government orders, I can't go over them. Chief, let me be a trash cleaner around here if nothing else. And I couldn't see you with a broom in your hand. Then what do I do? He said, hold on a minute. Do you know how to cook? 
Oh, yes, I do. Then go cook for the officers. And I'll pay you very well. That's where I had to be. That's when I'd hear them talking about when ships would come in. And so I cooked for three months. That's where I learned how to suffer, brothers. Those I had commanded before would not make fun of me. But I say, suffer, Dumitru. Christ suffered much more. After three months, I heard the same voices from the ship. Dumitru ran to the pier, dig is coming. I left the kitchen and ran to the pier. When I got there, brothers, the first man to get off the ship was Brother Dig. From afar, I said, Peace of God unto you, Brother Dig. When he saw me in civilian clothing, he began to cry. He didn't know what had happened to me. So he said, Let's meet in the second hotel in Constanza. Romanians back then were not allowed to speak to foreigners. If I was caught, I'd have six months of jail. And so I went to the hotel. There we prayed together. And together we left for Bucharest. Bucharest is the capital of Romania. That's where we found Brother Andrew, Brother Harlan Popov, Brother Wormbrand, and other brothers. We made a strong pact. They would bring the Bibles into Romania, and I would give them to the churches. And within about three years, brothers, the majority of the churches had Bibles. It didn't matter what denomination they were. Because, brother, the denomination won't save you. It is your life lived with God. Men created the names. He's a Baptist, he's a Pentecostal, he's a non-dominational. And they try to divide Christ whichever way they want. But there's only one faith. There's only one God. And there's only one baptism. We must understand this, brothers. Especially the times that we live in and especially in America. Now I've heard that the baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is no longer permitted. Some people don't like it anymore. Because Peter said that you should be baptized in the name of Christ. Brothers, If it comes down to it, who should we trust more, Christ or Peter? Answer, please. And Jesus Christ says in Matthew, Go ye into all the world. Make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The reason Peter said baptize in the name of Jesus is because an apostle once once said show us the Father and it will be enough. And then Jesus answered I have been with you for such a long time and you want to see the Father? I am within the Father and the Father is within me and I am within you. And that gave the understanding. And because he said one word, then we have to twist everything around. And it's just another thing that will make us become not aware. 
Because there is only one baptism, brothers. If you were baptized when you were a baby, that doesn't count because you were not aware of it. But if you were baptized as an adult, and you believed, don't get baptized again. Because then it is a sin. Amen? Amen. Ooh, you're quiet. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Better, brothers. We have to be awake. Don't be sad because it is the truth. It's scriptural. These are not my words. If this is what my Romanian Bible says, can I twist it around to make it an American Bible? No, I can't. Because I know Americans like changing the Bible around a lot. The Mormons make it towards their own way of thinking. The Jehovah's Witnesses towards their own way of thinking. There's over 2,000 active denominations in this country. You don't know what to believe. And there's a word in the Bible from the rushing of the rivers. Many will not know what to believe. The rivers are all the things that we hear and all the people in the world. But brothers, know that you have the Bible in your hand. And this is the greatest prophet. Don't change it. Amen. Oh, can, can you get a glass of water, please? I început la... Când s-a zis să fii bucătar? As I said, brothers, in about three years, most of the churches had Bibles. Când au aflat guvernul comunist, voi spuneți, nu-i aducă de la WCO. Spuneți, nu-i aducă de la WCO. Nu, aduce-i acum. That's a little chapa. All right. Not bathroom water, though. <laughs> when the communist government found out Bibles were coming into the country, they shut the borders. And then no more foreigners come in. But the churches continue to pray to God so that God would send them Bibles. God heard the prayers of the church and he sent an intense rain over Romania. In 1970, over half the country was flooded. When the communists saw this, they asked for the foreigners' help. They reopened the borders and Bibles started coming in freely. For four years, Bibles came in freely. No one checked them at the border anymore because that's how God works. If you trust in God, God will not let you down. In these four years, brothers, they ran out of Romanian Bibles. So they began to bring in very many Russian Bibles. I live 18 kilometers away from the Russian border. I tried to take him over, but I couldn't. And so I hid a lot of Bibles everywhere. The police began to follow me. And if they'd found out that you were taking Bibles in, or that you had contacts with foreigners, 
You have 25 years of prison and the confiscation of all material wealth. And so I came home very sad. When my dad saw my face so pale, he asked, Dimitri, are you sick? I said, no, dad. I said, Dad, I have so many Russian Bibles. I keep trying to take them across the border, but I can't. And now the police is following me. You wanted to? I said, yeah, me. Did you pray first? No. Did you fast? No. Did you ask God about this? No. That's why you couldn't take him over. Let's fast. Let's pray. And God will come and show you a way. Thank you, son. We had that conversation in the evening. And the next night, I wasn't fully asleep. And I heard a voice, get up, Dimitru. I jumped up. And at the head of my bed, there was a man dressed in a white robe. When I saw him, I became scared. How did he get in? Because my door was still locked. Windows were all shut. But he says to me, Dimitru, don't be afraid. I came to tell you how to take your Bibles over. He told me the place where to go. Taught me what to say. And even how to get there. The place was a train station on the border. And I was supposed to go meet a man. While I was getting dressed, the man disappeared. And I ran to my dad's house. Dad, look what I just saw. He said, go, I'll wake up the others and we'll pray. And I got there at 8 in the morning. The train tracks in Russia are wider than in Romania. And that was the station where they changed all the axles. And while they changed them on the train, we could have put the Bibles in. I went to the chief and I knocked on the door. The man came out shaking. But the angel had already told me. The man will ask you what you want. Tell him you were sent by the one who was just there. And then he'll teach you what to do. So when he came out shaking, I said, good morning, chief. He said, well, what do you want? I was sent by the one who was just here. And he started shaking even worse. Well, what do you want? I want to take Bibles into Russia. He called me inside, taught me how to bring the Bibles, where to put them, and how to load them into the train. And within about 15 years, we took over 300,000 Bibles into Russia. But not me. Not with my strength, but it was the hand of God directly. Amen. Amen. After 15 years, a missionary from Holland came to my home. 
And he said, Dimitri, I tried to go to Russia to see if the Bibles are getting there. The Russians wouldn't let me in. They kicked me out. Why don't you try to go over? Look, you know how to speak Russian anyway. You go. I went and I got a passport and I went to Russia. When I got to Chisinau, the police was waiting for me. Everywhere I went, the police was after me. I came to Keshino for nothing. I stayed for four days. I couldn't contact any of my people. They were always after me. So I said, maybe I'm going to go to Odessa. Maybe they won't know me there. I got off the train and the police already came to say hi. Even more than in Keshino. Man, what's with all these people? You know, I was trying to say that. I didn't understand how to speak Russian. And they try to find me a translator. And I tell them, I understand what they're saying. I just want to not let them know about it. <laughs> Couldn't do anything in Odessa either. Couldn't speak to anyone there. So I ran to Kiev. Uh, maybe they'll lose me in Kiev. When I got to Kiev, I got off the train and a policeman grabbed me by the arm. Come on, we've been waiting for you for a while. They took me to my hotel. Leave unless you let us know first. I stayed in the hotel that day. And the next day I wanted to go out to the market. The police was still following me. I got very ill. And they took me and checked me into the hospital. A doctor came in. The syringe was one of those that you used to give to cows in the old days. He gave me a shot and it hurt worse than I'd ever dreamed it would. He says, now he'll sleep. I gave him a good one. I understood what they were saying. And the man just barely got out of the room. And I passed out. I slept until the next morning. The next morning I heard somebody knocking on the door. Who's there? Doctor. When I heard the word doctor, nothing hurt anymore anyway. I didn't even know I was ill. I said, but no matter what, I'm still not going to get another shot. So he asked, how are you, Dimitri? Oh, well. Do you still hurt? No. You need another shot or something? So give one to yourself, I don't need it. But it wasn't the same doctor. It was a different one. The doctor sends the nurse away. He walks into the room and he locks the door. He walks to me and he hugs me. And he says, peace of God unto you, brother Dimitru. He said, an angel of the Lord came into my dream last night. And he showed me in a dream that you were here and I was supposed to come and get you out. I'll draw up some papers that you'll be checked in. I'll give a paper to the policeman who's waiting outside and I'll leave one with the office and then I'll sneak you out the back and then we'll go. 
And that's exactly how it happened, brothers. I wasn't checked into the hospital. Instead, I traveled all of Kiev without the police following me. God sent a Baptist pastor. And that's the man that got me out. In our travels, he also showed me how the Bibles were getting there. And for me, it was a great joy. But when I got home from Kiev, my house was surrounded by the police. They were holding my wife with her face against the wall. They tied me and put me with my face against the wall. They began checking the house at 8 in the morning. And they finished at 4 in the evening. They came with all kinds of equipment. They were looking for Bibles. I had very many Bibles at my house. But at four, a colonel comes to me and he says, Dimitri, turn around, please. Where do you have your Bibles at? You know, I honestly thought they'd found them. Did you find them? Well, no. If you didn't find them, I don't have them, I said. They said, yeah, but where'd you hide all those Bibles at? What Bibles? I don't have a Bible press, sir. Don't worry, you'll tell us what you ate when you were a child, even. They put me in the car and took me to the police station. And that's where the tortures began. First they asked me to confess. Tell them where I had the Bibles from. How I got them into Russia. And who helped me take them there. But in my ear, there was still that same voice from the ship. Dimitri, don't tell. Dimitri, don't confess. Dimitri, I am with you. I will save you. I said nothing. They saw I wasn't saying anything. They took me and threw me into a very dark room. It was so dark that I couldn't see the walls even. You'll be here until you confess. They locked the door and took off. After a while, I heard somebody open another door. I began to think what sort of traps could they have in here but then I began to hear a squeak like a rat squeak and what sort of animals could they have in here and then I felt it crawl up my leg when I touched it it was a rat about this big I'd take one or two off maybe ten or crawl back on I was so terrified that I yelled as loud as I could God don't let me down when I said this an intense light appeared in the room and out of the light I heard a voice Dimitri don't be afraid Dimitri look at me when I raised my head to look the light was so powerful that it threw me on the ground he said I told you to look at me I said who are you I am the angel Gabriel I am the messenger of heaven I have come to help you don't be afraid you will go through many trials but I'll take out of their hands and take you into America look down he said when I looked down the whole floor was covered with dead rats at that time the light disappeared and I became even more terrified and they intended these rats to eat me a policeman came and opened the door and he asked still alive in there I said yeah did you try to have me dinner for the rats the man came and he hit me over the head I fell down he pulled me out by the feet and took me into another room 
tied me by the waist, pulled me up on a pulley, and with rubber hoses they beat my feet. They throw water on me, and after I'd get better they'd ask me to confess. They lay me face flat, put a board over me, and five or six until blood would come out my nose and my mouth. Again, they throw water on me and again ask me to confess. They'd stick my hand in the door and poke me with pins under my fingernails. For five months, they did all sorts of experiments. But in my ear, there was always that voice. Dimitri, don't tell. Dimitri, don't confess. Dimitri, I am with you. After five months of torture, they took me into a room. And there they had a very strange-looking chair. Do you see this chair? Yes, I do. Well, we brought this from Germany, especially for you. Tell us or you'll die on it. Even if I die, I have nothing to tell you. They tied my hands on the chair. They tied my feet around it. They put a bowl on my head. Plugged two things in my ears. Now think what you've done. You're about to die. And when they turned it on, brothers, I felt such an intense shock. I couldn't feel my tongue in my mouth anymore. I couldn't see with my eyes anymore either. And when I thought I'm about to die, again the same light appeared. It was the same man. Dimitri, don't be afraid. Dimitri, you will not die. Plead the blood of Jesus. And I began to say the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I don't know how long I said it for. When I woke up, I was covered with blood. And they were throwing water on me. Do you know that you've confessed? Listen to yourself. Our equipment recorded everything you said. And when they turned it on, I heard my voice. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was victorious. Not I, but it was Jesus. Why do you sleep? If I see you sleeping, you know I yell hallelujah. The next day they brought in Maria. Maria, would you like us to let Dimitri go? Oh, yes, of course I do. Well, Maria Dimitris confessed. He told us where he has his Bibles, told us who brought him the Bibles, how he got him to Russia, and even who helped him take him. You write it down here also. And we'll let Dimitri go. But God wouldn't let Maria tell. If Dimitri told you, he knows, but I know nothing about it. Then they began to hit her. She became scared and she fainted. They put her in the car and they took her home. And then they came to me.
Did you hear your wife was just here? Da, am auzit că ați bătut-o. I said, yeah, I heard how you beat her. Bă, eu am spus tot și am dus-o acasă. Well, she told us everything and we took her home. Spune și tu și te duc și pe tine. You tell us too, we'll take you home also. Dacă o spus, ea știe, dar eu nu știu. Well, if she told you, she knows, but I know nothing about it. Oh, ați fost sfătuiți. They said, oh, you had all this planned out. Din nou m-am pus pe scaunele. And again, they put me on the chair. De data asta te ard, bă. This time I'll fry you. Au făcut același lucru cu mine. They did the same thing to me. Când credeam că gata să mor. When I thought this time I surely die. Iar am Again the angel of God came. Dimitri, nu te teme. Dimitri, don't be afraid. Eu sunt cu tine. I am with you. Mai de trecut printr-o încercare și să te scot din You'll go through one more trial and I'll take care of their hands. Vrăjmașul tău va muri, dar tu vei trăi. Your enemy will die, but you will live. Strigă sângele lui Isus. the blood of Jesus. Iar am strigat sângele lui. And again I began. Când am trezit, m-am trezit la fel. When I woke up, I woke up the same way. They turn on their equipment. You know this time you've confessed, don't you? And when they turn it on again, I heard the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Why did you say this? Because you want to kill me. We'll still kill you. The colonel took up the phone and he called up six policemen. All I heard was, kill him. They jumped on me with their boots. I had nine ribs broken. I fell into a coma. I don't know how long I was in a coma for. But when I woke up, a doctor was giving me a shot in the right arm. And he was wiping my face with a handkerchief. And he kept saying, Dumitru, your God still lets you live. At that time, an officer ran in. And he began to yell. Hurry, doctor, the colonel, he's dying. The doctor ran after the officer. And I was waiting to see what was going on. Another colonel came to me. And with a humble voice, he asked, Dumitru, how are you? Why do you ask? Can you get dressed? Why should I? You're going home. So you finished killing me already. They said, God's given you justice. Colonel Prestonuk's dead. And the chief ordered that I take you home quickly. How did he die? He had an internal hemorrhage. While he was going through your papers, he fell down and died. And the chief said to take it home quickly. Then he said, don't pray to your God that he punished me too. Because you know I never did anything to you. He called another officer. They dressed me and they took me home. Brothers, when I got home, my own wife didn't recognize me anymore. I've been completely destroyed. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't lie down on either side. So my wife filled the bed with pillows. The brothers took me in their arms and they put me in the pillows. And that's where I stayed for three months. That's where I called death to come. I couldn't stand the suffering anymore. My flesh began to smell on my own body. I never thought I'd survive it. But when I thought I had no more hope, they couldn't take me to the hospital. A friend of mine sent a letter, don't take Dumitru to the hospital. They want to give him a shot and kill him. 
So Maria said, if he dies, he dies in his bed. If God wants to take him home, he'll take him home either way. But it was very late at night. I couldn't stand the smell of my flesh any longer. And all of a sudden, the light appeared in my room. And out of the light, I heard the same voice. Dimitri, enough. Get out. I jumped out of bed I ran outside I kept feeling myself to see if I still hurt nothing hurt anymore I was able to walk what's happening to me? am I dreaming? is this actually true? I walked back into the house when I went in I found the angel of God Dimitri, do you still hurt? No. Can you walk? Yes, I can. Then Dimitri, start working. You have four more years to carry Bibles in. The police will follow you step by step. But I will be with you always. I will blind their eyes and they won't be able to catch you. Brothers, that's exactly how it happened. In those four years, I smuggled in more Bibles than the 15 years before that. Twice a week, they'd come and check my house. Everywhere I went, the police would stop me. What do you have in the car? Bibles. Uh, he's lying to us again. Are you trying to make fun? Open the trunk. I'd open the trunk. The whole trunk was loaded down with Bibles. They'd leave through him. He's making fun of us. Just go. <laughs> This lasts for four years. But the angel said, when these four years will be over, the communist government will take you out of your home out of your country and they'll kick you out but I'll be with you even where you're going brothers he told me the year the month the day and even the hour and on that hour I was kicked out of my country I was taken to Italy I stayed in Italy for a while the secret service sent people to kill me there too but God was faithful even in Italy and with God's help and the help of the American embassy in Italy I got to Sodom and Gomorrah brothers <laughs> I got to California <laughs> I believe this would be a good time to give you a break after which I will tell you what will come to America I will continue brothers but I never like speaking about myself. I always enjoy speaking about Jesus. Amen. 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 Because it is mandatory for all of us to have our, our lives right with God. If until now, we've lived the way we wanted to, now the time has come when we must stop. It's enough that in the past we did what the world asked us to. 
Some lived in wickedness, others in abominations. We must put an end to all these things and return to God so that in the day of trouble, God would save us. Amen. Brothers, I'm not here to scare you. Instead, I've come to strengthen you. Because we should know no man can hide from the eye of God. If you go into the bottom of the ocean, he will be there. If you go into the heart of the earth, he will be there also. So where can we run from God? Our only option is for our lives to be void of the world. It is to live our lives as the word of God asks. Amen. Amen. Now I will tell you what God showed me for this country. Brothers, these are not fairy tales. And it is not a vision as some say. I was awake as I am now. When God showed me the things I'm about to tell you. When I got to Sodom and Gomorrah, I was picked up by a Russian foundation named Tolstoy from the airport. And they took me to an apartment where we still live. Back then the apartment was very dirty. There was no furniture, there was nothing inside. It seems dogs lived there before us. And the carpet had a very strong odor. I couldn't even walk inside. When I'd walk in, I'd start to cough. And my wife began to cry. And she said, husband, how can we live here? Why did God punish us this way? We lost all of our wealth for God. You almost lost your life for God. And God brought us to this country. And we don't have a bed to let the children sleep in. I said, wife, God will provide. Uh, that's what you've always said, she says. Go to other Americans where it says for rent. Ask if they'll let us in because we can't live here. And I went to buildings where it said for rent. And I'd ask if they'd let us in. The first thing they'd ask is if we had children. Oh, yes, we do. Well, we don't accept people with children here. Man, what kind of people are these? They keep dogs in their homes that they won't accept children. And I began to cry, brothers. I thought all of America was Christian. All the Bibles came from America. All the missionaries came from America. Yet they won't let us in because we have kids. Why did God bring me here? And I began to cry, brothers. I came to my wife. My wife noticed that I'd been crying. Husband, why have you been crying? Wife, do you see me crying? I'm not crying now. She said, look, I've been with you too long. They won't let us in because we have kids, I said. She began to cry even worse. 
I had to leave. So I began walking around the building. Checking out my life. Maybe I offended God with something. And this is my punishment. It was very late at night. I was sitting outside on a rock. As Stan said, I showed him the rock when he came to my home. And I was just thinking, what did I do? I was crying so my family wouldn't see me. And all of a sudden I saw a light coming towards me. When I saw the light, I thought it was a car. Because in Romania and in Italy, they always try to run me over with cars. So I thought, they found me here too. But it was not a car. The light surrounded me. And out of the light, I heard the same voice. It was the same angel. Dimitri, why are you so despaired? Why'd you punish me so harshly? What did I do? Why couldn't you let me stay in prison? But my family would have had a home. I don't have a bed to let my head down on. Why was I brought here? Dimitri, I brought you to this country because this country will burn. So why'd you bring me here to burn? Why didn't you let me die in jail in my own country? He said, Dimitri, be quiet. Get beside me. I don't know what the device was but he pulled me beside him and he showed me all of California do you see what I've shown you this is a Sodom and Gomorrah their sins have reached God and God has decided to punish them by fire he came and showed me Las Vegas this is a Sodom and Gomorrah and one day it will burn he came and showed me New York this is New York this is a Sodom and Gomorrah in one day it will burn and then he showed me Florida this is Florida this is a Sodom and Gomorrah and in one day it will burn but what will you do with me I said I told you to be quiet and he brought me back to the place we left he said now we can talk I brought you to this country because I love this country. I love the people in this country. And through your mouth, I want to wake up a lot of people. How can you wake them through my mouth when I can't understand anyone? You don't worry about that. I'll prepare some more for you to speak through. You reach television, radio, churches, but tell them everything I tell you. Again, he said, America will burn. But how can America burn when it's so powerful, I said. He said, tell them as I tell you. Hide nothing. If you will try to hide anything, I will punish you harshly. The Russian spies have figured out where the most powerful nuclear plants in America are. When Americans will think it's peace and quiet and they rule the world, then from the oceans, out of Cuba, Nicaragua, Central America, Mexico, they will bombard the nuclear plants in America and America will burn. I said, but what will you do with the church? Oh, many churches have left me 
Cum tu n-ai oameni aici? I said, what do you mean? Don't you have people here? Toți spui. He said, tell them this. Oamenii se slăvesc pe oameni. People glorify people. Cinci care se cuvine și odiai lui Hristos. The honor that Christ deserves. Oamenii și-o ia asupra lor. Men take upon themselves. În biserică. In the church. Divorțul. There's divorce. Pracurvii. There's adultery. Sodomii. There's sodomy. There's abortion and all kinds of sin. And Christ will not live in sin. Christ lives in holiness. And I brought you here that you cry out loud. Tell them to stop sinning and to repent because God never stops forgiving. Amen? Amen. And all those who will stop sinning And who will repent? God will save in the day of trouble. How can he save them if America burns, I said. He said, tell them this. As I saved Daniel from the lions, this is how I will save them. As I saved the Theolans from the furnace, this is how I will save them. And the word of God says this, one thousand will fall to your side and ten thousand to your right, yet no man will touch you because we are protected by the power of God and the angels of God are around those that fear him. Dar trebuie să ai o viață curată. But brother, your life must be clean. Amen. Amen. Dacă tu ești îngerul lui Dumnezeu. If you are truly the angel of God. Și tot ce îmi spui tu nu scrii în Biblie. Everything you say to me must be written in the Bible. Eu pot să greșesc la americani. If it is, then I can say this to the Americans. Dar dacă nu scrii în Biblie, nu pot. If it's not in the Bible, I won't say a word. Tu ai citit în Ieremia? Have you read Jeremiah? Da, am citit. Yes, I have. Ai citit în Cenzeșunul Ieremia? Did you read Jeremiah 51? Zic că am citit. Of course I have. Ce înțelegi acolo? What did you understand? Păi vorbește despre Babilonul vechi. It speaks about the old Babylon, I said. Oh, să mai citește odată. He said, read again. Să mai citește odată. Read again. Că spune despre America. Because it speaks about America, not Babylon of old. Apocalipsa 18 ai citit. Have you read Revelation 18? Am citit, zic, tot cu privire la Babilon. said, yes, it's also about Babylon. No, ia să mai citește odată. He said, read it again. Ca să-ți deschid mintea să înțelegi. I will open your mind and you will understand. Eu vă spun să citiți din Ieremia 51, versetul 7. Brothers, let's read out of Jeremiah 51. Începem cu 7. We'll start with verse 7. And it says, Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations are deranged. Amen. Babilonul Babylon a fost un potir de aur în mâna Domnului. Was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. Care a fost Babilonul? Arabii? Now, are the Arabs Babylon? Care nu cred în Dumnezeu? Those that don't even believe in God? Noi nu înțelegem. Let's try to understand. Care e Babilonul? Who is Babylon? Potirul de aur spune David cuvântul tău, Doamne. At one point David says, your word, O Lord. Îmi de preț ca aur. It's more precious than gold. America a avut cuvântul lui Dumnezeu la bază. America had the word of God in its hand. America s-a încrezut în Dumnezeu. America trusted in God. America a avut misionari. America had missionaries. America a dus Biblia în toată lumea. America spread the gospel throughout Mulți the world. Mulți oameni s-au pocăit. Many people came to God. Dar America a căzut. But America itself fell from the truth. Ne întrebăm. And we ask ourselves. America a căzut, fraților. Has America fallen from the truth, brothers? Și acum ne întreabă, zice, am vrut să vindic Babilonul. And further down it says we would have healed Babylon. Dar nu s-a vindicat. But she is not healed. Nu, hai, părăsăți-o și hai fiecare în țară. Forsake her, everyone. Că pediapsa lui s-a apropiat. For her, sp- her punishment is near. Și ca să noi să ne încredințăm că e America. So that we know it is America. Să citim versetul 13. We'll jump to verse 13. 
O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasure, your end has come, the measure of your covetousness. Again, you who dwell by great waters, abundant in treasure, your end has come. And verse 14, Surely I will fill you with men as with locusts, who will shout cries of war against you. Now which country is filled with men? Which country does everyone come to? Who wants to immigrate to Iraq, to Hussein's country? But ask other people who wants to immigrate to America. Because they see that all the good things come from America. Oh, that's where God is. As I once thought, I thought God resurrected the dead in this country. I would never have believed such wickedness could exist here. I went to an American church in California. And I went, you know, Maybe the brothers would help me get a bed. But they were having prayer for the sick. So I thought to myself, my legs still hurt. I'm going to go and ask them to pray for me also. But I saw two guys with a blanket. I wonder what they're going to do with the blanket. Oh, you're going to see. And an old lady walks up slowly. The guy smacks her in the forehead. And then covers her with a blanket. When I saw this, I thought he'd killed the old woman. I went and I tried to lift the blanket. Now, what's this? But the pastor runs to me. Go, go, go. No, don't, don't, don't. I'll call the police if you don't leave. I look at him and I told him. Is the police your God? Because my God's in heaven. Brothers, true prayer for the sick. How is it done? If any of you is sick, Apostle James says, call upon the elders of the church to anoint them with oil in the name of Christ. And the prayer made with faith will make holy the sick and the Lord will heal them. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You come before the pastor to be prayed for for nothing. If you don't confess your sins, if you've sinned, once you've confessed, you've received your healing. Brothers, read the holy book. It teaches you everything you must do. Not hitting him over the head and, and covering him with blankets. God doesn't heal that way. Not like I see people like blowing on people and then they're supposed to fall down. Brothers, I... I can say that's not of God. God is a wise God. And He is a God full of power. All He does is order and it happens. Amen? Like it so far? <laughs> Then I'll continue. We'll go to Revelation 18. We would have healed Babylon again. It didn't want to. And verse 4, my people, come out of this world, that you may not partake of his punishments. And then further down, verse 7 I think, 
you who say sits as a queen. We trust in God. The church was created here. Brother, we'll be taken up before any tribulation. This is for that, says the Lord. In one day, will come hunger, famine, and you will be utterly destroyed by fire. Because you say you have God. Because you say, oh, I go to church, but I still smoke, and I still divorce, and I still drink, I still live as the world does. And whoever loves the world, and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not within them. If you want to have the love of God in your heart, brother, you must live your life with God. Amen. Amen. I'm happy that you say amen. We'll continue further. Also, Revelation 18 says, says that it could prove it's America. Whoa, whoa, the great Babylon, the great city, whom all the merchants of the sea became wealthy from your spoils. All the kings of the earth committed adultery with you. In one hour your destruction has come. And it says they will put ash on their heads. You who bought merchandise from all over the world, gold and silver and things that were precious. Now, how many car factories do Americans own? They have to import the Yugo from Yugoslavia so that the word of God come to pass. Brothers, we have to think about these things. Amen? Amen. May God enlighten your minds, brothers. Because I pray to see you up there. I pray that all of us make it. That when Christ will return, He will take us up. That we will not be left behind. Well, a brother mentioned Israel. I've always felt that I wanted to go to Israel. But I really didn't know why. I called some brothers I knew in Israel. They waited for me at the airport. I went with Mike's two little brothers. Yeah, they can't translate very well. But, you know, they knew how to speak anyway. I got to Jerusalem, that's where they lived. But I wanted to see all the holy places. I wanted to see the churches. I wanted to see the places where Christ walked and where he was tortured. Yet you were not allowed to mention the name of Christ. Sabbath came along. Some five families gathered in a room and they celebrated it. But they sang no other song except Sabbath and about Shalom. That's, that's all they knew. But I said to them, instead of praying for God to send you peace you pray for Saturday to give you peace a day will not save you God will they didn't really enjoy that 
But I said, I want to go see the Mountain of Olives. And they took me to see the Mountain of Olives. You couldn't even get on it. If any of you have ever been all around the Mountain of Olives, there's just graves. And I asked, do these many people die in Israel? They said, oh, no, brother. The rich people from all over the world, they come and they buy burial plots here. So that they get buried here. Because when the Messiah must return, they would come and meet him in the air. Man, um, you guys are charging these people for nothing. Because Christ already paid for our burial plot. The blood of Jesus Christ has already cleansed us of sin. And when the Messiah returns, we will, we will meet him in the air and these guys will still have their heads in the ground. They laughed. And they said, come to the Dead Sea with us. I got to the Dead Sea and the water was so hot that it almost boiled. I, I took off my clothes because I wanted to go in. And the sirens began to blow. I said, you have to get out. Why? Because the Syrian army is advancing. At that time, God showed me a vision. An angel of the Lord stood on the Golan Heights with a sword drawn out, stopping the Syrian army from advancing. And I said, don't worry about it. The angel of God has stopped them. They won't advance. They were all scared trying to get out of there as quick as possible. And I was sitting in the water just laughing at them. When they saw that nothing was happening, they said, you know, you were right. I said, it wasn't me. It was what God showed me what I should tell you. From the other side, I saw another army attacking Jerusalem full force. He said, what do you mean? I said, listen, you'll see. And that night, Arafat started bombarding Jerusalem. Straight into Jerusalem. And one of them says to me, what if you die here? I said, go bury me on the mountain, I'll be closer to the rapture. They took me to the wailing wall where Christ supposedly wept. When I got there, one of Arafat's people set off a car bomb. They were taking away the wounded and the dead. I said, ah, we still escaped. The next day I said I wanted to see Bethlehem. And as you know, Bethlehem is under Arafat's rule. Brother, they will let you in. There's a border. I said, all I need for you to do is drive me there. None of your business how I get in, just take me there. Because God spoke to me that I would see this place. I got to the border, they surrounded me with their guns. I had one of those big cowboy hats on my head. <laughs> Where are you from? Romania. Uh, Romania. Oh, you welcome. Oh, you welcome. welcome. Come on in. Arafat and Ceausescu were good friends. 
Și mi-a dat un delegat ca să ne arate să văd tot. They even gave me a delegate to show me around everything I wanted to see. And he explained to me where the manger was and where Christ was born and everything. When I got back, I told him, see, God was with me. Și asta, fraților, 15 zile. And I stayed there for 15 days. Dar e o viață foarte încordată. But it's a very tense life. E foarte... Toată baba, tot copilul cu pușca Every spate. child and every old woman's got a gun. Când intram în Ierusalim, trebuia să-mi pun sclifiga pe When cap. we'd enter Jerusalem, I'd have to put the little yamaka on my head. Ca să nu se lege de mine. So that nobody would mess with me. Când intram între arabi, îmi punem pălăria. When I'd go among Arabs, I'd have to put on my cowboy hat. <laughs> But God protected us, brothers. I came home, I prayed to God. And I asked God, Lord, what will happen? Says for now, nothing. They will just have small skirmishes between themselves. But Israel must repent. Brothers, Israel is not Christian. Israel tries to keep the old laws. But there's so much wickedness there that it rivals even America. I slept in a hotel one night and what I saw there terrified me. I said, even here, this, these things could happen. Why, does, why do they still call it the Holy Land? I even visited the gate that everyone tried to open and they couldn't open it. And they said that the only one that can open it is Christ when he returns. And they're all waiting for Christ to return. But they don't believe in Him. They're waiting for the Messiah. But they don't believe in the Messiah. And until they will not believe, the Messiah will not return. And from the things that God has revealed to me, Israel will be destroyed. Only a small remnant of Israel will remain. But right now, all the Jews from Romania and Russia, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, they're all going back home. They live in tents because the Americans gave all the land back to Arafat and Israel is now very, very mad against America they took away their land and gave it to Arafat. Brothers, now we have to keep the inheritance that God gave to us. Because God did give us an inheritance. Our inheritance is not here on earth. Our inheritance is in heaven. Because that's where our names are written in the book of life. And if your name is not written, brothers, God showed me that there was one page left. And when this page is completed, even if you want to repent, you won't be able to. There is a short time. Brother, hurry. Make sure that your name is written in that book. Know that you will be part with Christ. Know that you will be part of salvation. Because that's when the word of God will come to pass. One thousand will fall to your side and ten thousand to your right. That's when Isaiah's prophecies will come to pass. They will say, we're going with you because God's with you. This is ten people will hang on to your clothes. Not Israel.
Israel's clothes. Brothers, you are the new Israel. Those of you whose hearts have been circumcised. You are the new Israel. You were redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. And God sent Christ to die for us. That through his wounds we may receive healing. And if he healed you, and if he's healed me, brother, live your life in holiness. So that when Christ will return in the air, we will meet him there. And we will see with our own eyes. If God would not shorten the days for the sake of the elect, no one would escape. That's a horrible day is coming. But because of God's chosen, God will shorten these days. Brothers, it will not be long. Only a short time remains. I never thought I'd be back in America. I was very ill. After I buried my wife, I became very ill. I was very mad. And I said, I will never return to America. And God spoke to me, go. Go for I still have people to wake up. I still have people to save. American brothers, wake up. Wake up. Wake from your sleep. And repent and return to God. Because the day of wrath is near. And if you will be with Christ, you will go to see the Father. Where there will be no tear. Where there will be no disease. Where there will be no death. Where we will have eternal joy. Christ will put on his belt. And he will serve us at the table. May God bless you and your families. And I pray that as we see each other here, we will see each other in our Father's home. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Demetri Dideman and Michael Boldea. Now, as we hear all of this testimony, what do we do about it? My, how do we clean up? How can we get God's protection? Now, let's say, for example, you're at ground zero. How do you react? How do you react when the white uh, flash of the bomb goes off? There are those who would say, run to the basement. I'd rather fall to my knees. Amen? So how do we prepare? The first thing we have to do to get God's protection is to be clean. He's only going to protect those people that are clean. So how do we clean all the sins off of our heart, all of the, the sins off of our soul? And how do we get our name written in the book of life? First of all, we have to realize that we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. We also have to realize we cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn all of our sins being washed away. It is a gift. Romans 10, or Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so if eternal life is a gift, if washing our sins off of our soul and out of our heart is a gift, then how do we reach out and take that gift? Ephesians, or Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What's that saying? It's simply saying it's not enough to say it with our mouth and not believe it with our heart. And it's not enough to believe it, but never say it. We've got to say it and we've got to believe it. 
Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we don't hear that repent word much anymore. So what is it? In my life, one day I sat down and decided I was going to follow God. And I sat down in a chair and I said, Lord, I made a mess of my life. But I'll tell you what, if you'll forgive my sins, if you'll give me another chance, if you'll wash me clean from here on out, I promise I'm yours. I'll learn your words. I'll learn your book. I'll learn your laws and I'll do my best to follow them. That's what repentance is. It's a turning away from sin. It's a leaving the old life and following Jesus. That's repentance. And ask every one of you, and you folks watching the video, can you name a, a specific day, a specific time in your life when you ask Jesus into your heart? If you can't, you should be concerned. And ask yourself, was there a change in your life? If there was no change, you have to examine your heart. And you have to ask, was I really saved? If there's no change, then you should be concerned. That's repentance. Holy Spirit, I ask you to go out into the audience and also to the folks watching the videotape that those people's hearts would be knocked on right now, that you would knock on their hearts, all those people whose names you want to write in the book of life, those people that you want to clean all the sins off their soul so you can save them when the day of trouble comes, that they would make that decision now and not delay in Jesus' name. Let's all bow our head, no one looking around. Yes, we may have prayed this prayer many times. It still feels good to say it again. We ought to even say it on a regular basis. So let's all say it. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner, and I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later, sits at the right hand of the Father, I ask him to forgive my sins, wash me clean, write my name in the book of life, save me in the day of trouble, and keep me holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like to be able to say that that's all you have to do, but that's not what the Bible says. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone that cries, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those that doeth the will of the Father. What's the will of the Father? He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen? Now, it's not over in another way because Matthew 10, 32 and 3 says, Whosoever confesses me before men, him will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. In other words... God wants us to have a little steel in our backbone for a change and to stand up and say, either Lucifer is our God and act like it, or God, Jesus, one or the other. Does he not say in Revelation that I would that, the, that you would be either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew thee out of my mouth? So he wants us to either be for Jesus or for Lucifer, one or the other. So I challenge every one of you tonight to make that decision whom you will serve. Amen? Now, not to embarrass anyone, but so that Matthew 10, 32, and 3 can be fulfilled in your life, 
If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time and you meant business with God, first time you ask your sins to be forgiven, first time you ask your name to be written in the book of life, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you raise your hand? Okay? Okay? Forty bucks, eight hundred dollar value for a hundred dollars. Secret door to understand Bible prophecy is a deep dive into Bible prophecy. Miss the mark is the book you give to people that you never want to take the mark of the beast. God's warnings to America's a hundred and one modern prophecies, everything from Dimitri Dudeman to rest of the most popular, the most credible prophets out there. Tribulation Secrets in Daniel is the book that you read to understand. As a tribulation saint, what you need to know. And then how pre-trib one, you'll settle your question about the rapture. Now, you can get all five of these in a giant package. We offer them in shrink wrap sets. Shrink wrap sets of 10 for the Understand Bible Prophecy. Miss the Mark is in shrink wrap sets of 10. God's Warning is shrink wrap sets of 10. Daniel is five. How pre-trib one is five. So it's a total of 40 books. Valued at $800, all for a gift of just $100 at prophecyclub.com. In November 1998, Stanislav Lunev was the highest-ranking Russian military officer ever to defect from Russia. He made a Prophecy Club DVD saying that the 50 lost-in-Russia-suitcase nuclear bombs had actually been smuggled into the United States. Since then, five others have confirmed it, including... Dimitri Dudeman, Michael Bledel, former Congressman Kurt Weldon, Vice Chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, and Doug Mesker. Then, Daner Coverstone came along, and in a dream, the angel said to him in so many words that these suitcase nukes will detonate in November. But the question is, what year will that be November be? We're praying that we can stop them or delay them. If they detonate, every computer not EMP-protected will be destroyed. The good news is EMP Shield has devices the military testing facility says protect 100% against EMP, solar flares, lightning, power surges, backed by a 10-year warranty and a $25,000 insurance policy. View simple video installation instructions for home, vehicles, RV. You can have electricity in a blackout. Use the promo code PROPHECY for a $50 gift card, and it helps your Prophecy Club. These days, emergency food is mostly sold out, but HeavensHarvest.com has all sorts of emergency supplies and food in stock. Their food comes in square stackable buckets, breakfast, entree, protein, fruits and vegetables. I recommend you have at least 12 months of food for each person in your family. Receive a free box of heirloom seeds when you enter the promo code STAN at HeavensHarvest.com. Promo code STAN. Terry Sock is a prophecy student, and he reads his King James Bible, and he believes in winning souls so much he is supporting the Prophecy Club so that we can win more souls. So if you want to support someone that loves prophecy and wants to win souls, I'm going to send you to cornerstoneassetmetals.com where you can get all sorts of precious metals, gold, silver, rhodium, palladium, and things like that. Cornerstoneassetmetals.com. 
click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.